Bible to John chapter 8. We're going to wrap up tonight this series that we've been in now for several months on uh, the I Am statements. The Gospel of John is considered by many to be the best in the New Testament. Uh, Oftentimes when someone says, hey, I just became a Christian, I'd like to start reading the Bible, where should I begin? They say, start with the Gospel of John. And it's good advice to do that. Many Christians, the first book of the Bible they've ever read has been the Gospel of John. It's really good. It's thorough. It's to the point. Um, It is um, set up well. John has some things in place there to help you read through it from section to section. It's really good. It's got this introduction, 18 verses, that, that emphasizes that Jesus is God, that Jesus is the answer. Then it gets going. It ends with this statement telling us the purpose why he, he wrote his book. John is good. And yet, with all of that, we understand that John is trying to get people connected to God. And I want to just state the obvious here at the beginning that that's what it's all about. Okay, Life is about God. And if life is about God, then everything we do in the world under the umbrella of God or in the name of God is to be on some level connecting us to God. All the religions in the world are some effort or another to have people connected to God. Okay? And so John has written his gospel to make that clear to us. I want to show you a couple places. John chapter 1, verse 18. Sorry, I know I told you to turn to John 8. Sorry. John chapter 1, verse 18. No one has ever seen God, the only God, there's only one God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Fascinating verse, gives people who study God all types of trouble, this verse does. God, the only God, has a God at his side, imagine that. God, the only God, who is the Father God, has a God sitting beside him, and he has explained to God. That's a troubling verse if you don't believe in Father, Son, and Spirit. This word right here, he has made him known, can also be translated, he has explained him. It's a really, really good verse. John wants us to know that Jesus is God, and he is helping us understand God. Okay? Turn over to chapter 17. Chapter 17. This is Jesus' high priestly prayer. The whole chapter is basically a prayer of Jesus. Chapter 17, verse 1. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven, and he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son. What a troubling thought. Praying to God, he asked the Father to glorify someone other than the Father. Does everybody see that? That is very, very troubling unless you believe in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Who would ever say, dear God, would you glorify me? If you do that, you're wrong. That's blasphemy. And yet Jesus does that very thing. The next time the cult people stop by your house... Don't get confrontational, but ask him about that verse. He's praying to God the Father that the God the Father would glorify him. How can he do that? Only if he is God. It says, glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you. Verse 2, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. Look at verse 3. 
And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Eternal life, that big paradigm that is eternal life, is wrapped up in knowing God, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom the only true God sent. That is eternal life. Well, that's a big thought. Turn over to chapter 20. This is a passage that you probably know, verse 30. He's now at the end of his book. Chapter 20, verse 30. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. John intends for you to know God, for you to glorify God and love God and be all about God. And John intends for you to know that the key to living the Godward life is a relationship with Jesus. Now, we believe the whole Bible has that point to it. But John strongly is making that case. So turn with me now to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. When we start talking about God and having a relationship with Him and living for the glory of God, you know, the world or the people that you know in the world would like for that to be a very simple conversation, right? You go to church? Yep. Okay. You believe? Yep. You okay with God? Yep. You religious? Yep. We wish it was that easy, right? But it is so much more loaded and complicated and messy than that. Going to church actually does not necessarily mean anything. Religious may not tell you anything at all. Saying that you are a believer may not mean anything at all. Where do you go? How often do you go? Why do you go? What religion are you? What do y'all do? What do y'all understand about humans' sinfulness? What do you understand about getting right with God? Where does forgiveness come from, right? All of these questions open up all of these uh, options for what is the truth. And so the Gospel of John is Jesus working that out. The Gospel of John is loaded with Jesus being in conversation with the religious people, the Jews, who are God's people uh, by, by just who they, who they were made to be in the Old Testament. And Jesus is colliding with them. They, their, their, their views on how you get to know God are clashing, and it's a big problem. Look with me at John chapter 8, starting in verse 21. I'm sorry, starting verse 19. They said to him, John chapter 8, verse 19, they said to him, therefore, where is your father? Isn't that a good question you might ask somebody that's religious? Okay, so you believe. All right, I see that you're a religious person. Where's your father? Who is he? What's he like? How's he feel about this? What are his beliefs? How do you know him? How do you understand him? Where, where is he? That's a good question. You could ask anybody who says they're religious. And so the religious people who are certain that they know God have found somebody else who says he knows God and they don't know God the same way. So, Jesus, where is your father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. Very clear, right? John is wanting to make the point 
to know life is about knowing God the Father, but the key to all religious life, the key to all Godward life, the key to any worship, the key to knowing God is Jesus. That's the point Jesus is making. Have whatever resume you want to explain all that you've done under the name of goodness, under the name of good deeds, under the name of religion, under the name of whatever. I mean, you can have the biggest resume you want. You've been baptized, you take Lord's Supper, you've done this, you've done this, you've done the pilgrimage, you've never done these bad things. You can say whatever you want. The key is Jesus. And this is the conversation that we see, verse 20. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. Verse 21. So he said to them again, I am going away, and you will seek me, and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. Jesus gets all weird here and starts talking about uh, death and him leaving and them uh, wanting to go with him but not being able to go with him, things that they don't fully understand yet, but we do. They will die in their sin. Does everybody see that? Folks, I know that the world is wanting us to be all about love and all about making everybody equal and all of that. But let's take it from Jesus' example You cannot have real conversations about God and knowing the Father and about the Son if you will not talk about sin and how we're dying in our sins. We ought not be judgmental. We ought not to be killing people. We ought to be speaking the truth in love. But you cannot talk about having a relationship with the Father if you're not going to talk about dealing with sin and death. Jesus goes right there. Verse 22. So the Jews said, will he kill himself? Since he says, where I'm going, you cannot come. So they didn't understand. Verse 23. He said to them, you are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Here, he takes the same thing he said in verse 21, that you will die in your sin. He adds one letter to it, sins, makes it plural, says it twice, and says that the answer to not dying is believing in him. Now, everybody knows that the answer to not dying is the help of God. Everybody knows that the way that you get to heaven is to know God. Everybody knows that. Everybody in the world knows that. So the answer is not, is heaven a real place or can I live past death? Everybody knows those things. The answer is, who is the God that can get me past there? That's why Jesus is dealing with this. Does everybody see in verse 21 that he says they'll die in their sin? Does everybody see in verse 24 he says they'll die in their sins? There's a big difference. Right? I told you this morning that your heart is born sinful. I think in one place here, verse 21, Jesus is talking about who you are as a sinner. You're going to die as a sinner. In verse 24, Jesus is talking about the sins that you've done. This morning I made a distinction between not talking about the sins that you've done, but rather just the sin that your heart is. Here Jesus has spoken to both in verses 21 and 24. Here's the reality. You're going to die in your sins. Here's the reality. 
Jesus is the key to getting past your sins. John is wanting us to make this point. The people that he's saying this to are very much so bothered and troubled by this, just like anybody you know. Now, I don't think that you and I are as bold as Jesus, so you don't talk as frankly as he does when you're engaging somebody in a conversation. But if you were, then you would see whoever you're talking to get as upset as they're about to get with Jesus. Skip over to verse 48. The Jews, same, same conversation, continuing on. The Jews answered him, Are we not right in saying that you're a Samaritan and you have a demon? Does everybody see that? They, they think he's crazy. They think he is demon-possessed. Jesus answered, verse 49, I do not have a demon, but I honor my Father. See, for Jesus, it's all about God. And you dishonor me. Verse 50, Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. Jesus is talking about life. And through all of this, he's talking about life. You have to talk about sins if you want to talk about life. You have to talk about death if you want to talk about heaven. You have to talk about him if you want to talk about God. This is what you, read, you see when you read the Gospel of John. It's, it's throughout the whole book of John. Verse 52, the Jews said to him, Now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died, as did the prophets. Yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. It seems that these guys have no category for spiritual life. They, they, don't, they, they can't fathom that Jesus is talking about a, a newness of heart. They don't understand you must be born again. They don't understand that. They're thinking merely outwardly, which we saw this morning. Verse 53. Are you greater than our father Abraham, who died? Now, you know that Abraham is a big deal to Jewish people, right? He is the head of it all. God made that deal with him in the beginning of Genesis. But this tells you that they're wondering about Jesus and yet not understanding Jesus, and they ask the question, are you greater than this man? That's funny, right? I've had the boys ask me before if I could beat Michael Jordan in basketball. That's a funny question, isn't it? But it tells you a little bit of how they view me, and it tells you that they don't know Michael Jordan, right? They've never seen him play, right? And so if you don't understand both categories well, you may, you may ask that. You know what I'm saying? Like they're learning about sports, and so every once in a while, Noah will say something like, if the Louisville Cardinals were to play the Fairdale Bulldogs, who do you think would win? <laughs> right? Because he doesn't get what the Fairdale Bulldogs are like, and he doesn't get what the Louisville Cardinals are like. He just knows of them. And so we talk aimlessly about them. You know what I mean? This is what happens. Listen to me. This is what happens to people in the world. This is what happens to people in your family and down the street from you when they start talking about God and life and death, and, right? Every time somebody dies, I hear people say, like, fly high and hope you're soaring through the sky somewhere and hope you're looking down taking care of me and People start saying all these things that they think people might be doing in death, but we know better than that what they're doing in death, right? You're a person. You're not an angel. You don't become one. I hope the angels are doing those things. But we're so much better than angels. We're people created by God, loved by Him. And if we're saved, we're brought into God's family. 
go to heaven with him and enjoy life there with him. We don't start doing angelic things, and we don't want to. We want to be redeemed people in heaven, saints. But if you don't really understand what you're talking about, you just start saying things that are kind of in the discussion, but they don't really sound good. They asked Jesus, are you greater than Abraham? Because our great, 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 great grandfather means a whole lot to us. And they asked him, are you greater? Verse 54, Jesus answered, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. It's getting pointed now. He's saying, the Father you claim God glorifies me. To them, this is ridiculous. Verse 55, but you've not known him. Does everybody see how pointed this is? Your Father glorifies me, but you don't know your Father. Next time somebody talks to you about God, I dare you to be that straightforward and honest. Your Father, you don't know your Father is what he just said. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. You claiming to know God is a lie, he says. I've got somebody in the community that I've been building a relationship with, and I'm, I'm, I'm ready. The next time I talk to him, I'm going to say, man, you ever thought about being a Christian? But he's going to say, I am a Christian. That's why I'm asking it that way. Have you ever thought, ever thought about becoming a Christian? And he's going to say, well, I am one. Maybe not as good a one as you, but I am one. I'm going to say, no, in the nicest, loving, most prayerful way. I'm going to say, well, you're not. But I can help you become one if you want to. This is what Jesus is doing. You don't know the Father. You think you know the Father, but you don't. The Father glorifies me. The key to knowing the Father is the Son. You don't know the Son, so I know that you don't know the Father. I'd be a liar like you if I didn't tell you this, he says. But I do know him, and I keep his word. Your father, Abraham, rejoiced that he would see my day. They are so furious at him talking this way. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old, and have you seen Abraham? So they know that Abraham lived a long time ago, and Jesus is too young to have known Abraham. Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus had hid himself and went out of the temple. Jesus could have said, before Abraham was, I was, if he just wanted to make the point. I'm older than Abraham, been around longer than him. If he just wanted to make the point that he was greater than Abraham, he could have said, I was. Before Abraham was, I, I was. But Jesus knows that them coming to know God ultimately, Jesus knows the need for anybody to know the truth is to know that Jesus is the key to knowing the Father. So he says it in a way that they could not misunderstand. Before Abraham was, I am. I am God. I am Abraham's God. I am your God. 
that you need to know. I want to turn you back to Exodus 3 that we read. Listen to it again. Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers sent me to you, and, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. God talking. And he said, Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God said also to Moses, Say this to the people of Israel, The Lord, listen to this, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you, and this is his name forever. And thus I'm to be remembered throughout all generations. When he says, I am am to be remembered throughout all generations, and every generation is to know me, and my name is to be treasured forever. When God talks like that, in the beginning of our Bible, in the book of Exodus, he has in mind, certainly Fairdale, Kentucky in 2016, but he has in mind, right here in Galilee, with Jesus, in his ministry, and the Jews that he would be talking to. If you are really connected to Abraham, living in whatever century you're living in, you need to know this, that I am is the Lord, Yahweh, creator, king of all creation. He has made everybody, and life is about God Almighty. Everybody needs to know that. It is your responsibility and my responsibility that our children and those underneath us and the people in this community know God. He is to be remembered throughout all generations. This is his name forever. Moses, when you go to Egypt, and I pray that there would be people here going to Egypt, Egypt. When you go to Egypt, next time you're in Africa, he says, Moses, tell them I am reigns. My name is to be remembered forever. Folks, everybody, everywhere needs to know God. And when they don't understand God rightly, Jesus speaks up and says, before Abraham was, I am. And the statement he's making is, I'm God. I am God. I am who all generations should know. I am the name that needs to be treasured forever. You remember in Exodus 3, I just read you when he says, my name is to be remembered forever. Do you remember when Paul or, or Peter preached in the book of Acts, there is no other name? Jesus is the I am. Jesus is the I am. Well, John, does those who read the Bible, students of the Bible, Christians like ourselves, John does us such a favor in his gospel in taking this great declaration that the I am has taken on flesh and become a person. I am who I am is Jesus Christ in the flesh, and Jesus Christ is who we need to know in order to know God. To know Jesus is to know God. To not know Jesus is to not know God. To know Jesus is to know the I am. To not know Jesus is to not know the I am. And John does us such a favor throughout his gospel, spread throughout, chapter 6, chapter 8, chapter 10, twice, chapter 11, chapter 14, chapter 15, literally spread throughout the gospel, he takes the statement of I am, which everybody knows is God, he makes that out to be Jesus, and he, then he uses an analogy or a metaphor of how God the I am, the name that is to be remembered forever, connects to us so beautifully. Because as I've been preaching the past couple weeks, life is hard and life is messy. 
It doesn't necessarily work for us to just hear, okay, I, I believe in the I am. We want answers. We want to see how life works. We want to see how God is an answer in our life and helping us. And so he says it like this, and it has been such a blessing to be here the last several Sunday nights and hearing the different people in the church preach. John chapter 6, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. But listen to what he says right after that. And so many times we, 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 we remembered the statement, the I am statement, but I want you to hear the statement from Jesus that comes right after it. He explains what each I am statement means in each passage. So I'm telling you, this is God, and this is how Jesus connects us to God. I am the bread of life. Right after this, he says, whoever comes to me will never go hungry. He says that in John chapter 6, right? He's not talking about real food. He's talking about the, the hunger and thirst that there is in life. He's talking about that, that, that satisfaction, that belly full. They talk, he's talking about the contentment that people are longing for. He's talking about the man I told in my sermon this morning who has all the money in the world and yet is crying to me in 60, at 60 years old saying, why can't I be happy? Because you don't know the I am. And I've told you all that story before. I was able to tell him that, that life is about Jesus. And until you come to know Jesus, you're not going to be happy. And I told him that. But this is what he means when he says, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And the next time you find somebody who life's not working out for them and they can't seem to find satisfaction and contentment, they can't rest in life, remind them that they need God. They need the bread of life. They need Jesus. John chapter 8, he says, I am the light of the world. And after that, he says this, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. Jesus is giving commentary to the I am statements. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. The light comes in and shines in the darkness, and the light shining in the darkness is now ex has exposed sinfulness and brought away that we can be honest about our sins and be forgiven. God does that. In chapter 10, he says that I am the door, I am the gate. And he says it like this, whoever enters through me will be saved. Whoever enters through me will be saved. I'm not sure where you're at or how you got there. I'm not sure how far along you are in your religious life. I'm not sure how long you've been spiritual. But how did you start knowing God? Because there's an entrance way to a relationship with God. Church, you need to know that. There is an entrance way to a relationship with God. And it is through the door that is Jesus. Jesus, metaphorically speaking, is a door. The fourth is I am the good shepherd. One of my favorite ones, because Jesus takes shepherding and, and, and heightens it to a place that we don't know. Ask anybody, what do shepherds do? And you'll say they lead the sheep. Jesus takes shepherding to a much more serious matter. Says it two, three, four, says it five times in John chapter 10. I lay down my life for the sheep. It's good enough for a shepherd to lead them to green pastures. It's good enough for a shepherd to, to use his rod and his staff to protect them. It is good enough for a shepherd to do that. But ultimately what shepherds do is they know there is something that kills sheep. And the shepherd is willing to die so the sheep don't die. Amen. That the, a, that the I am dies so that we don't die. Jesus is the God who dies for his people so that his people don't die. The fifth one is, I am the resurrection and the life. And he says, whoever believes in me, even though he dies, will live. What a statement. I try to say it at every funeral. 
that for the believer looking here at a casket, and I just did one on, um, on Friday, just two days ago, I just did a funeral, and I stand there in front of a group of people I don't know, and I say, look, one day you're going to be like this. And if you don't know God, it will be horribly sad. But if you know God, that will be the smallest little speed bump you've ever hit as you pass. Jesus says, whoever believes in me, even though he dies, is living. I hate he passed. Well, he's alive. I miss him. He's already there. it's, It's hardly a big deal to those who know God. He is the resurrection and the life. The sixth is... Perhaps the most well-known, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And you know the rest of the verse. John has done us such a favor in making it simple and crystal clear. No one comes to the Father except through me. There is no knowing the Father without knowing Jesus. And then the last, I am the true vine. And Jake preached an awesome sermon last Sunday night which he says this if you remain in me and I in you talking about vine and branches you will bear much fruit and apart from me you can do nothing Jesus is telling us that the Godward life is an absolutely dependent life connected to the true vine and you take those seven I am statements connect it with what I am means see that the key to it all is Jesus, right? We know that the I am is God. We've talked about that so many times. The book of Exodus, the burning bush, Moses being sent to Egypt and Pharaoh, all of that. We know that God's name is I am. And then we pick up the gospel of John, which is so rich for us, and we see John is telling us the need to know Jesus, the need to know Jesus, the need to know Jesus. And he does it by talking about how Jesus is the I am. So church, it's been a good study. For those of you all who are here regularly on Sunday night, I hope you have benefited from it. But I pray that you have a relationship with Jesus and therefore you know God. And so you rest content. You're satisfied. You're not wandering through life in the darkness. You're walking in the light. You're on the path to the Father because you came through the entrance way. You're safe and forgiven and not scared of death because you have a shepherd who's already died. You're living your life to the fullest, ready for heaven, because when you do die, you'll be there where you want to be. You can't wait to see your father that you already know because you're so close to Jesus who's the only way to the Father. And the rest of the time that you have left in this life, which honestly is limited, and we don't know how limited, will live totally dependent on the vine, because apart from him we can do nothing. To know Jesus is to know God. May we make sure we follow Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the I am statements and the blessing that they have been to our church. God, thank you that your word, when studied rightly, can become so 
uh, helpful and beneficial to us understanding. God, we heard Jesus this morning from Mark 7, verse 14 say, Hear me and understand, God, you want us to understand. And if we will give this much attention to the Gospel of John, it begins to click. Oh, Father, thank you for being the answer to our lives. May we be faithful to you. Thank you that you are a God that we can know through Jesus, our Lord and Savior. In his name we pray. Amen.